Happy Thursday, guys. I'm going to start trying to do something a little bit different on Thursdays if I can, you know, be responsible enough to keep up with it. Um, I want to do like a throwback episode. There's something really cool about doing these episodes. And for me, it's, it's that I can go back and listen to different talks that we've had if I'm ever feeling something. Lately, I've, I've just sort of been, I don't know what you want to call it, maybe not really lacking motivation, but maybe that's what it is. And I needed to be reminded that I am living a story. And if I want my story to be a good one or one worth telling, that I need to fall back into becoming the hero of my story. Now, that's what this uh, throwback episode is actually called. It's called Hero. And it's related to uh, a concept that they call the hero's journey. And so what that is, is it's essentially like a template, if you will, of all the different tales, the hero stories, even movies that you hear now or that you watch now. Um, all of them pretty much follow a lot of the same timeline, if you will. And so what you see is that you have a hero and they go on some kind of adventure and then there's a crisis and they have to answer a call to action to go and be transformed into something different. And so whenever that crisis occurs, there is either a win or there's a huge loss. And then from that loss, they actually go back and they try and figure their life out. There's typically like some kind of a training montage or something like that. And they go back to do battle or whatever you want to call it. And they eventually win and they come out of there changed or transformed. And so I just wanted to pull up this episode that we had with our good friend, Andrew, and just go through that. Like I said, these are episodes that I like to go back to and listen to whenever I'm feeling something. Uh, that's something that I really wanted to do with this podcast when I got everything started. And so this is just one of those. And I thought I'd take some time and put something together and then share it with you all again. Uh, I hope you all find some value in this stuff. And if you ever need any sort of inspiration or got any ideas about something, let me know and I'll try and re-release an episode just so you guys can listen to it. All right. See ya. I actually forgot something. Yeah, this is our third episode ever. So you're going to notice that the sound quality is not going to be up to par, but it's the message that counts. So Again, I hope you all find value, and uh, if you do need anything, just reach out. This is our third episode. Really, really excited to be out here. Uh, Clue is back. Uh, we got... Go ahead. Hey, Chris is here, and you know what? Brandon is back in the building. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> we have a... Uh, he was out of town stripping. He, he was stripping. Exactly. At Daddy's in yep. Nashville. Mm-hmm, Y'all mm-hmm. check him out. Mm-hmm. Okay. All yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we better die. <laughs> but uh, we, ha- we also have a special guest here. It's a really good friend of mine. His name is Andrew. Andrew, uh, he'll actually be, be, uh, well, before going in, I'll go ahead and talk about how he listened to our podcast and he read the stuff that we've uh, been writing and he actually went so far as to take notes and it is incredible. It is incredible. He took notes and he and I had one of the most crazy conversations about the stuff that we were, uh, that I was talking about and stuff that we had spoken about on the podcast. And, uh, so 
I said, hey, man, I, I already know that you're a good writer. Let's let's see about possibly you writing, you know, with me on this blog and then also occasionally jumping on and speaking and at different points. And so we wanted to bring him on here to really talk about uh, his thoughts on what was written and what was also said, because one of the big things with what we're doing is to tell you guys that none of the stuff that we do is dogma. So we are critical of ourselves and we want you guys to be the same uh, and and give us feedback that's what we ask for it so much and so he actually had really good feedback along with many 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 other people that have been on this so or that have uh that have been following us or anything like that everyone's been really great really honest and, yeah, it's and, been overwhelming yes for real. overwhelming and so thank you guys so much for that so andrew is here andrew just give us a quick intro what's your why you know what, and thank you for yeah, being here for real man yeah. um yeah hi everybody uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so uh i'm andrew i've been friends with kalu for uh god since high school mm-hmm. right yep uh kalu was paid to beat me up and we <laughs> that did happen we, once <laughs> and, uh, and, and yes how much how and, much i can't even remember what was no, the bounty on your ass I, I don't remember but like so yeah he was paid to beat me up and he was supposed to beat me up at this party that we went to that was over by my house and instead of beating me up that night we found a spotlight and ended up making sex shadows <laughs> <laughs> and so we pretty much been, been friends ever since. That's so beautiful. It, it, it was it was a wonderful story, and no alcohol was involved either. It was just, it, it was just a natural coming together of, of two men and their and their love that dare not speak its name. So God damn, uh, that's beautiful. So uh, that that's kind of my background with Kalu. Um, oh. oh my god. <laughs> but on a, uh, uh, just, a, I guess a little bit more about me, where I come from, um, you know, I, I've grown up, uh, I actually uh, grew up with a lot of depression. Uh, you know, I, I tend to be self-deprecating in my humor. Um, and that comes from a place of, you know, it, it was essentially a, you know, a coping mechanism for a while. And now it's just kind of who I am. You know, it's like, you know, let's poke fun at the silly and angsty things we did in the past. <laughs> right. It's true. It's true. Um, and, uh, I taught high school for a short while. Um, I'm, I'm a manager now in retail, and a lot of the things I see, you know, they they all kind of bleed in one to one to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, when uh, when you said you were doing a podcast, talk about what it was about, and you know, that kind of got me interested because a lot of it spoke to me where I come from and some of the things that I've done as far as kind of reorganizing my brain, how I think about the world, how I think about myself in it, um, has, uh, has helped me. Um, and, uh, feel like sharing some of those things, some of the, the the analogies, similes, all those different English words that I've used to kind of make sense of things myself. Um, and bring that to the table here. That's good. That's good. Really, 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 really excited. Um, last week, again, we, we talked about heroes. We talked about a lot of things. But again, the big part that, you know, Andrew really uh, talked with me about was was heroes. And again, we are critical of ourselves. None of what we talk about is dogma. So if there is something that we feel needs to be challenged that we said, 
we have zero problems with saying, okay, let's challenge it. Let's look at another view and let's see how, how else it can be seen. Uh, I actually had one of my friends actually say, you know, they said that they liked a lot of what we were saying, but there was this one specific part that they didn't agree with. And I love to be able to hear that. And it's like, that's what we need to start doing more of yeah. in society because all of a sudden it's become a bad thing to disagree with someone. Yeah, you so should I, be thankful somebody took the exactly, time. Exactly. And again, we understand trolling is an entity unto itself. Yes. But but yeah, generally speaking, if somebody took the time to critique your shit, yes. then there's some merit to what they yeah, have exactly. to say. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and me and Kalu came up in the social program at WKU mm-hmm. here, and we understand that, you know, Reality kind of creates itself. Mm-hmm. Everything's very subjective. So whatever we frame up in here, we're, we're trying to frame it up in a way that it's useful to yes. somebody else, not to just hear ourselves speak. So mm-hmm. what was it, Andrew, that you were, what, what angle was it that you were approaching the hero? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Just go from? ahead on it. Okay. Uh, right. So in, uh, in English literature, there was a guy named Joseph Campbell. And, uh, if you're not familiar with what he did, he was, a uh, he's an English literature scholar. And uh, he developed this idea of the monomyth or the hero's journey. And he developed this kind of in uh, it was around 1949, I believe, um, where he looked at different stories throughout uh, Western and even, you know, even some other cultures, uh, different uh, civilizations. And all the way from, you know, like Beowulf, which is one of our first, you know, documented real uh, hero stories all the way up until his present time. In 1949, so you know a, a wide variety of things. You know some parallels in uh, what uh, what the protagonist did, um, and what makes uh, one story like Beowulf's relatable to where we're still teaching now, um, versus you know all these other stories that are lost over time. And he developed this thing called the hero's journey. And what it is is it's a 12 step. Uh, call it a process, call it, uh, you know, kind of a checklist almost of things that a hero will do in their, in their specific story, um, to complete an arc, essentially. So, um, you know, not to kind of sum it up, uh, they'll start in what's their ordinary world. So it's their place of safety, place of normalcy, a routine, whatever. Um, and they will receive a call to action. So, and that's where most of us are at probably right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, um, and yeah, that's kind of what, I, what I'm drawing on here and to kind of just again sum it up because it's 12 steps and we're not going to get all that. Um, the, after receiving the call to action, the hero will, uh, will reject it. So they'll refuse to go, they'll turn it aside, whatever. And that will lead to some form of suffering. Um, from there, they'll meet a mentor, uh, somebody that is going to provide them something, either physical or not, uh, that will allow them to start their journey or push them into starting their journey. Um, Jesus. <laughs> That's and good. from there, yeah. they'll actually accept the call and cross over from their ordinary world into what uh, Joseph Campbell calls the special world, um, which is the world outside of what they know. It's something that's completely foreign to them. It's outside their comfort zone. And from there, uh, they'll go into their challenges. They'll meet allies. Um, they will uh, go to some kind of an underworld where they'll, they'll suffer a death, of either a you know, literal death or a metaphorical death. God damn, it sounds like social work. Man. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it sounds like my job. <laughs> I, I die and I'm reborn every day. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, 
Um, and from there, they'll uh, during all these trials, they're growing stronger and they're growing stronger so that eventually they conquer a trial that allows them to gain something new and take it back into their ordinary world, except now they're coming back into their routine. They're coming back into their safe place, a stronger individual with more tools to be successful. And once there, they'll face one final challenge where they're, you know, they're, they're putting it all to the, the test. They're putting all of their new skills, all of their new abilities. Um, they've achieved their final level their final form and uh, they, they, uh, they conquer whatever needs to be conquered. And, you know, the process kind of starts over from there. So it's funny when you were talking about the call to action, I think that there are, so many calls to action that a lot of us just miss or disregard or just flat out not want, you know, there be opportunities for us to be, to be, or you want to do it on your terms or you want to do it on your terms. And that's the big, I I would think that that is one of the biggest parts about none of the shit is on your terms. None of the shit is on your terms. My Uh, my favorite though is my favorite is I'm waiting for the right time. or. Have you heard of the Salumis before? Yes. <laughs> exactly. That was like, totally what exactly like what you said. It's like, you know, X, Y, Z have to, or, you oh, know, man. For, yeah, me, yeah. for me, like everyone makes fun of me, but like I'm a compartment eater, right? Yeah. So I get, I got the steak, the vegetables and the dessert and I got to eat, my, I got to eat my vegetables and then I got to eat my steak and then mm-hmm. I can't, I can't just start like eating all the stuff bits at a time, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know. For me, my struggle has always been, okay, I can have part of this, but maybe I should start eating off of this other first. Yeah. Tastes better, first of all, but, you know, it might be more important to me in, you know, in the immediate. It's funny. That, are, you, are you the person that goes to the hibachi restaurants and just like whenever they, you know, they grill the hibachi food, they give you your like rice first and they give you your meat next. Are you the guy that just eats it all like... You're like, no, rice so here, that, that rice has got to be done before they get my entree ready, or I'm gonna get pissed off. At <laughs> like, like this is chow time at the mess hall, man. We gotta, we gotta get in and get out. Like, we don't have Stop much time. Stop shrimp. And, Stop shit. Like, like, and I'm pretty sure some of those shrimp are mine too. I was getting mad at those guys. Like, hats, hats he's giving them the ten year olds. Yeah, throwing it, throwing it to the yeah, missile. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like hats off to them for being. And able little to, baby Eric's over here, just like <laughs> hell yeah, flipping their spat and everything and you know good job man and you, you really learned that trait I like please that stop egg. giving my shellfish to other <laughs> that egg in your head is awfully fluffy yeah. doesn't give you the license to act yeah, for, for real no it's but like going back but <laughs> like the, the call to action there yeah. are opportunities that that we do miss that we do say oh, I'll just handle it later um and I feel like that gets a lot of people you know and one of the things that Andrew and I were talking about is in to bring it to a smaller level for just normal people, being being a hero in your relationship, me saying me being a hero in my marriage. Right. It's like my my calls to action come in the form of seeing a load of laundry. And it's like, OK, I need to do that because I, I feel like I can be a, if you want to call it a hero there. I feel like it would solve a lot of, you know, little problems that can turn into much bigger ones or something. And I, hell, I'm still working on it. I am still working on it before. Like my wife listens. It's like, listen, that is incorrect. But there are, you know, there are times where it's like, okay, I see something and it's like, that's a call to action. And a lot of people will just be like, fuck it. I'll take care of it later. But I just, it, it, it really does take work to sort of see that part and handle it there. And maybe 
whenever you, you know, going through all these different phases, maybe in a good relationship or whatever, you do kind of have this moment where things just like that literal death, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like in, in any good, in my opinion, relationship, good friendship, if you, if you want, there, there is a death there. There's some bad thing that kind of happens in there. And then it kind of, you know, it goes through all those other phases. I feel like that happens for a lot of other people. And, and something I was thinking about, like an element of this, at least sure. for me, and not to oversimplify anything, but separating yourself or what you perceive as yourself from your own utility. Oh, my God. Yes. If you have utility that extends beyond, like, I just want to sit around and pop M&Ms in my mouth all day. Yeah, peanut M&Ms. You lightweight have a fucking responsibility yes. to step up and make a few people's lives better. Yeah. I mean, yeah, let's be honest. Yeah. So how would you, how would you say that we can, what would you say a hero or potential hero, right? Needs yeah. to do to start looking at those calls to action and actually responding to them. So for me, and again, this is one of the things that, you know, being literary and of a literary mind, a lot of the time, um, and drawing parallels myself, uh, the reason that spoke to me is when I was at my most depressed, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I, you know, I've seriously tried to kill myself three times. Sure, this uh, is real shit, and- guys. Real quick, we aren't joking when we say on on our podcast, you know, on our blog, that we are not going to touch on real shit. Our our generation yeah. and those coming after. They need to hear this kind of stuff. Well, and you yeah. can like it or not fucking like Seriously. it, but I mean, if we're doing this for us as much as we exactly. are doing anything. Yeah. Exactly. And, and part of the problem for me, too, you know, kind of getting off on a little bit of a tangent, sure, but, no, you know, no one ever talks about that. Like, no exactly. one, whenever someone's counseling you or like your friends are talking, like, no one ever says, yeah, I've tried to kill myself three times. Uh, there it is. And it's like, because... If you're ever getting counseled uh, mm-hmm. and been through counseling, sometimes, you know, that one of the first things that always pops in your head is, you know, what does this person know about me? Yeah. And this is a complete stranger. They don't know what I'm going through, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Okay. So cards on the table. That's, that's how low I would get. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things though that helped bring me out through some counseling, mm-hmm. but also through some introspection mm-hmm. is that I was locked into a repeating cycle mm-hmm. of the first three steps. Yeah. So I'm in my ordinary world. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable. I'm, I think I'm happy in that. Um, things are going well. I, I'm getting all of these different calls to action and uh, maybe I'm interpreting them that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not. Maybe they're just like flying over my head, whatever. Regardless, I'm rejecting them over and over and over again because mm-hmm. when it boils down to is I wanted to stay in my ordinary world. I wanted yeah. to stay where I was comfortable. And you experienced suffering. As and I experienced that. suffering over and over again. And why, don't, why, doesn't, why don't people catch you, on to that? Well, it's not dope that you experienced that, but what you just touched on is dope. Yeah. Again, like, like he laid it out and then he just straight up like he wrapped it around and told you exactly what it went on yeah. in his fucking life. Yes. And then I'm like, wait a minute. And then you suffered as a result. He's like, yes. That's what happens to a lot of people. So why? how is it that people continue to see that suffering like over you, you, and It's over. almost like you're cutting future you's throat each yeah. time. Yeah. Like you're not doing your future self a fucking favor. Yeah. Like do yourself True. a favor well, every once in a while. Yeah. And you know, I do prescribe to that idea that you know, human nature is to take the path of least resistance. It is. Yeah. Yeah. No, nothing, yes. nothing in this. Like even if you say, oh yeah, I'm going to accept every call that comes my way. I'm going to get my mentors together. I'm going to get my squad and I'm going to go after whatever it is I need to go after. You know, even once you get past that initially, 
you're still going to have trials and it's yeah. still going to be hard and there's yeah. still going to be a lot of opportunity to fail. It's, um, it's really, it's, it's interesting you say that. So, you know, everyone, when they hit that moment, they say a lot of times they'll watch it. They'll listen to a podcast. They'll go to a website, you know, they'll watch a couple YouTube videos. They'll read a few books and then they have a plan. They have a plan for this success. That's going to fix their life. That's going to do everything. And just like in boxing and MMA and all these other things, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. That's a Mike Tyson mm-hmm. quote, That's by the way. That's a Mike Tyson quote, right? Everyone man. Yeah. has a plan until they get punched until in the face. Until you get punched in the face. Yeah, you <laughs> you said the that face. Yeah, <laughs> That's awesome. Nobody ever thought to bite a dude's ear off until Mike Tyson. <laughs> he's a revolutionary. <laughs> he is. He's, he's, a, he's the founder of the ear bite. <laughs> it's the sweet science for a reason. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's true. <laughs> but no, it's it like that. that's very true. So how do we make ourselves better once we get punched in the face by life because that happens to a lot of people. What else what else would you say for could what else do you think that people can do? Again, I really want to drive home that point about seeing those calls to action and understanding what to do once you have that plan and you do get punched in the face. What what would you recommend? What would you think about? Let me just present a, a question in sure, general. Sure. It is it is it responsible in general for us or anyone else to advocate for individual success, which inherently in and of itself has a selfish component built into it? If yeah. you talk about individual success with nothing outside mm-hmm. of that on the micro level, mm-hmm. is it socially responsible to advocate with, for that without there being a macro element where they are a responsible citizen of fucking planet Earth, too. Now, what they're doing, they know the ultimate impact of it yeah. or uh, net impact of okay. what they end up doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and then we also talk about, and we've probably said it a couple of times by now, at least do no harm. Yeah. I don't yeah. have a problem with somebody bowing out to a degree. Yeah. But, but again, we... We talked about your concept of heroism, and I feel like a big component of that as well is your utility, how much okay. utility that you possess. And and I think it's also like if, if I have this overwhelming ability to remedy social issues and I don't do it, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm being irresponsible. Sure. So is it responsible for us to gas people up that we know aren't going to go out there and do good? Well, okay, let me let me think about this. And I'm not talking about like trapping and killing no, people, no, but no, I mean no, even yeah. like Wolf of Wall Street type shit. If yeah. you're the go ahead, be the Wolf of Wall Street, but un- unless you got an end game that that relates to improving the conditions on planet Earth for the long haul, yeah. then I'm not really trying to fuck with you. Well, do you think that that is part of the problem when people are in that phase where they they have that conflict? They're trying to you know, they're trying to fix some kind of problem in their life. Again, trying to be the hero in their story. And they do get gassed up by reading something, you know, by watching YouTube videos, by listening <clears throat> to podcasts, all these things that'll get them motivated. Do you think that <clears throat> what, what they're, the information that they're soaking in is something that focuses just on them and not like, how do you make yourself better for the world? Is, is that hell yeah, sort of- hell yeah, and I feel like that's a big like what we talked about last podcast. Yeah, that it's part of the formula to keep us each disconnected and keep us as individualistic as fuck. Yeah, and I'm not trying to get on here and like spout off some like 
socialist propaganda. Yeah, Don't yeah, get me yeah. wrong, but I feel like there's a there's a good balance, and we talk about balance for the individual. There's a balance when it talk, when you talk about society, like sure. selfishness to selflessness. If mm-hmm. you're completely selfless. You're, you're going to go up in fucking flames. Sure. Yeah. And your utility is going to probably go to waste much quicker. Yeah, you yeah. got to, you got to know how to ration yourself. Yeah. Out. So when you were, when you were getting, did you, did you, I know you said you would talk to therapists and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but how was that process? Were they, were they kind of gassing you up for individual success or were they saying you, you know, go and help the world somehow. Like invest in others. Yeah, investing in others. Well, the the thing that was always hammered home to me, because my my hardest thing to do for for me in my Mm day-to-day was to just appreciate the things that were going good, that were going right. Mm -hmm. Um, And once I was able to do that, though, the next thing that they helped me to realize and that I helped to realize myself, and it took, I mean, it took, you know, even years after I finished counseling and everything and different jobs. And and how old are you again? I am 33 Good. And a half years old. <laughs> um, so uh, the the biggest thing that has led to me being a much happier person mm-hmm. and a much more, I won't say enlightened, but I learn a whole lot more and I'm able to apply a whole lot more to my job, to my life and to keep growing is to, uh, first of all, accept these, accept the calls that recognize them and accept them as they come, but then own your decisions and through oh, that's owning, a big one. owning you take decisions. ownership of that's anything you fucking one. do. Yeah. Own your decisions. That's a big one. And then also understand the consequences because kind of to your point, um, I, I, I've got, you know, for me, I, I don't prescribe so much to, you know, you, uh, you owe the world, you know, the, a resp- you have a responsibility to the world sure. necessarily. Um, yeah, absolutely. But what you do, I think every person does have a responsibility to do is to understand that you make decisions every day. And it, sometimes the decisions are made by just not making a decision, right? Like, it's interesting. It, yeah. Like, yeah. There's absolutely. A lot of that, don't, you don't like, pull the trigger and yeah. you let the, the cards just There's a lot of people where they feel fall. like they have to do something. Yeah. And yeah. like, yeah. if you bow out, you know, micromanagement's a big yeah. fucking yeah. example, making mm-hmm. people unhappy as hell. Mm-hmm. And if you bow out of a situation that maybe you think is over your head, right, wrong, indifferent, whatever, as long as you're owning those consequences and understanding them, you know, I think that's the biggest thing for me that I had to start owning my decisions that I was making and the decisions that I was not making and, and understanding that I had a whole lot more control over my life than I thought I did. Mm -hmm. Because one thing that you'll hear a lot of in, you know, in high school students and, you know, for me, uh, you know, different employees that come with problems is, you know, well, I can't control this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. So, well, you're spending so much time focusing on the things that you can't control that the things that you can, you're still not doing them. You're still not getting things done that Mm -hmm. need to happen. And, you know, that, that's one thing that I think, um, really people need to start happening sure. and just kind of an example, you know, I know one thing we talked about when we were having our conversation and kind yeah. of as it relates to this, there, there's a, a, a guy that uh, I heard is, uh, Oh, his name escapes me now, but he had a really good kind of description of what depression is not clinical depression, sure. not like depression where there are chem, there were chemically in your brain. There's something yeah, yeah. that, 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 uh, that, that it's more difficult for you to not be depressed, but like a, a, a depression that is that you feel 
that's not something clinical is a repressed form of rage. Okay. So your your depression is actually rooted in an anger. And when you trace back the root cause of that anger, for me especially, I found that all of my anger was based on this idea that I didn't control. I wasn't able to control the world around me and just stuff was happening and I couldn't do it. But if you're honest with yourself mm-hmm. and for me and looking at this stuff, I was able to see that, okay, I had received several calls leading up to this point. Mm-hmm. And just kind of as an example um, that I'd written down, that's, you know, recent kind of a bigger picture thing. And, you know, yeah. when we talk about this, it can be big picture, small picture. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, where I was at in my job at the time, I, I was a manager over an area I had some people under me. I was comfortable. I knew my job. I was good at it. Um, and I had these uh, different people above me coming to me saying, hey, you want to move up? Do you want to keep you want to keep rising? I said, no, no, I'm not planning on being here. You know, this job is it's a way station for me, even though I'm you know kind of middle management now. Um, I'm not going to move up any higher because I'm trying to get a job elsewhere. I'm trying to, you know, I've been there. This gets better because the reason I'm not going to be here is because I'm seeing somebody. And she lives somewhere else and I'm trying to get a job over there. You know, uh, that, so, so that's what I'm trying to do. That's my, that's my goal. Love. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll call it that. We'll call it that. We'll call it that because we'll be nice to me because I'm a guest. <laughs> you have to be nice to me because I'm a guest. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, but so that was my call and I kept rejecting it and I kept not seeing it for what it was. Sure. Um, and so, you know, long story short, girl breaks up with me, mm-hmm. you know, leaves my poor little heart broken. And, but where in the past I would try to, you know, step out in front of a bus or something. Yeah. Literally, that's the last time I seriously tried to kill myself. Uh, (laughs) But instead of trying to do that, I recognized what I needed to do. And that was accept this call that had been repeatedly brought to me. That does not happen in people's lives often when a call keeps coming and coming and coming. And and I, I think it I think the call comes in different ways. You know, it's it'll just because they offer you. Honestly, maybe they maybe it was different when they said, "Okay, we want you to come. You know, we want you to join the squad. You reject it. They offer you again. You reject it. I feel like maybe Mm -hmm. it's um, I don't know what the term is, but it's like I feel like there could have been alternate realities from the different times where you. Could have accepted. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so every time it splinters off. Yeah, it kind of splinters off. It takes another route. But like, and I can only speak from personal experience. Sure. And I've talked about previously my my concept, and it is very much my concept of of telling myself to say yes to things. Yeah. Is you know my tendency to try and be a perfectionist about shit. Yeah. Like I'd rather not participate than be a the baddest motherfucker at it. You know, sure. There's there's a certain. I wish me- I could. Agree. A, I wish I could agree well, with that. Well, check this out. Like there's a certain measure of bragging rights to like pulling up to the car show in your McLaren. Yeah. And then not racing it because you're not. just like no, no. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to be that dude about any of my shit. Yeah. So I, I I try to say yes to things that aren't going to put 
put me at a severe detriment. You threw up an alley oop really quick. Yeah, dunk that's, that's why I stopped at your weight dunk. when we were lifting the other. Ah! <laughs> because I stopped at you know we were lifting. Ah! And I stopped there because I, I was like, it. I pulled up to the gym in my McLaren. <laughs> yeah, I know, I hated it. It made me so bad. And I didn't, I didn't race it. <laughs> I fucking hated it. But you know what? I think you okie doke me. The day before, we was doing triceps. And I yeah, was doing yeah, you the went, whole stack with a $25 yeah, went, weight on there. nuts. No, but I think he was okie doking me now. <laughs> Kalu's way stronger than he looks. And he's gigantic. <laughs> no, he's a small guy. Don't feed my ego. I got problems. I got he's actually five foot two, five two. Yeah, but seventy five pounds soaking wet. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. it's what it's the clothes he wears. Huh? Yeah. So one of the things that uh, Chris texted me about this uh, the other night, and I really want you to bring it up. It is you know okay. the, the loose change analogy. So bear with us right here. He's going to explain this. Bear with us means like, he's like, don't roll your eyes. Please don't roll your eyes. Chris is a douchebag. <laughs> no, but, you know, like, and not to try and make it sound like something mad profound, but if you use cash with any degree of regularity at all, which, you know, I use a fair amount of cash, I mm-hmm. guess. Anybody knows if you, once you break a hundred, it's easy to, start breaking those that change down, those further components down. Mm-hmm. People are apprehensive to break a hundred mm-hmm. because it ceases to mean as much. You know, like if you get eighty three fifty back in change, it's real easy to be like, well, I'm gonna spend fifteen dollars on yeah. cotton candy. Yeah. It's it, funny. I don't see eighty three fifty. I don't see eighty three fifty as eighty I, I see eighty three fifty as four twenties and three dollars and then 50 cents. Yeah, and Does that make sense to you? Yeah, but a hundred dollar bill has some level of respect yeah, as capital. As capital. And the, and I see four twenties as four different times where I'll drop 20 bucks on some shit. And then there's three dollars where I'll spend look, it on if, one if, thing. If a motherfucker wearing the same clothes for like yes. three weeks straight can mm-hmm. stroll up on you and haphazardly be like, hey man, let me borrow a 20, then it don't really mean it as, mean as much yeah. as far as capital is concerned. Yeah. Let's be honest. But if all you had is a hundred, you're just like no, <laughs> this means a lot more. I would be like the audacity of this man. It's only great Kentucky to ask for a twenty dollar bill, but I'm just saying it. It really once you break that hundred dollar bill down, yes, it, it, it's nothing. Yeah, it, it disperses. Yeah. Things, things start getting a little weak. Sure. Um, and then to break it down even further, one of those twenties. You break at 20 and then you end up and you end up with change and you break a five and you end up with change. And I'm talking about the actual coins. And a lot of us don't even want to meddle with the idea of being like, okay, your bill is 1635 of being like, okay, I've got $16 and let me get a quarter and a dime or a nickel and five pennies. A lot of people don't want to fool with it. So what ends up happening is there is change in in a lot of people's houses. I mean, it's a rarity that I've been to. Pennies don't mean anything anymore. No, they don't. I used to shoot. Yeah. Them. I used to shoot them out of my slingshot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just give them hell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not even lucky anymore. They, not even lucky no, anymore. no. <laughs> but this shit accumulates everywhere. It'll yeah. be in a drawer. It'll be on your desk. It'll mm-hmm. be in a cup. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, and, I just something well, just hit me. Well, and as, as this stuff accumulates, I think it, I, it it dawned on me. And again, this is just something that was like a little bit 
of an epiphany, I guess, mm-hmm. for me. I'm like, that is somewhat representative of the consignment of your time and yes. excess and yes. waste and yes. like collateral damage for you not being fucking as active a participant in your own life as yes. you all have got to be. Yeah. Because you're just like, let, let me just get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk about path of least resistance yeah. and there is some utility in path of least resistance. But we also are as a society, we we kind of are, are skating on the edge of complacency, mm-hmm. to say the very least. Mm-hmm. Honest to God, the change itself to me just seemed to be a tangible thing that I could look at on a daily basis and mm-hmm. be like, yo, that is the culmination of activities that I've done over the course of the day where I haven't been super duper discerning about it. I bought a fucking cold brew, uh, Starbucks Mm -hmm. coffee and then did all this. Not only does it make me take inventory of my, my waste, but it's, it's a tangible representation of how I waste my time as well. Sure. So then we're talking about, okay, what can I do to remedy this? It's as simple as a piggy bank, and I'm not really mm-hmm. talking about explicitly a piggy yeah, bank, yeah, but if sure. you just start, you take the one small step to when you have change, put that in one pre-designated location. Yeah. How difficult is that? A kindergartner it's so can hard. do that. It's, it's so hard. But, but, you know, as far as... I was taught to use a piggy bank, you know, stick my change in one spot. Go look in my car right now. Hey, <laughs> me too. Yeah. Like, it, honestly, the utility of it at this point is if, like, somebody road rages on me, I could just take a handful of change and be like, <laughs> ninja vanish. <laughs> just, but no. I'm saying, like, it, you, pennies. You, you, take, you take all this change and you, all you do, it literally all it takes is be like, oh... I got to do this and yeah. it'll take a little bit of your time, but you're, you're honestly buying your time back. Yeah. So you, you'll put this change in the same spot mm-hmm. over time. It's, it's an investment of your fucking effort mm-hmm. and it's a really painless one. Yeah. Okay. Take that. And at the end of a year, mm-hmm. two years, whatever you have, once you get all that change together, you have something that actually probably represents something closer to capital again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Take that and then translate that to Life. something you want to do. Yes. Your, your residual, something that you have an affinity for, something that you're good at, whatever you're afraid to do. We're not saying, you know, people talk about cold turkey when you talk about smoking and things like that. We're not saying jump in, hit first, just mm-hmm. like, ah, and then if it fails, it means it wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. Talking about take little steps like we're doing. Mm-hmm. Do it on your terms. Do it for yeah. you. Because a, a dollar is 100 pennies. Yes. That's the thing. A dollar is 100 pennies. Like you, I, I think of the the loose change analogy kind of, for me, it's when I see your people sometimes have an idea or they may have an idea of themselves and that, that person is that hundred, that, that, that person's that hundred dollar bill. And then there will be certain things that, that come in that break you into the, 
you know, five. Yes, people. You know, people. They'll turn you into it's you know other, what I'm It's other people. Yes, Most of other, the time, it's other human beings have it. actively yes. tried to take some of your time away. $97.38. Yes. Yes. Like new, new Jack City dollar <laughs> ass down the exchange. It was a dude. Yeah, I mean, like. was Eric. But that thing, but that keeps happening to that keeps happening to people. Shout out to Eric. Yeah, shout out to Eric on the slopes. Um, <laughs> that keeps happening over and over and over to you to where a lot of us are just piles of loose change, you know, with no real kind of There's value. a button or two in there. Yeah, there's a yeah. gum wrapper and there's, a receipt. Yeah. But I think that that's what happens whenever you dreadlock. <laughs> whenever you take a bunch of yours or you give away a bunch of yourself to other stuff. And I think that what I think when, when you have a goal or when you find something there, the same process that you use to break yourself down piece by piece by piece, you need to apply that same process to build yourself back up Hell yes. and understand that it's, it's not, yeah, it's, it's not going to be there and Look, you're, you're not going to just turn into a no, hundred dollar bill. If again. you don't right. build a dope ass foundation, if yes. you, if you build a shoddy foundation and then you decide to do some rad shit yeah. upstairs, yeah, it's coming down, yeah. man. Let, let me tell you the, the one thing that I always, that always is my, the I'll call it the penny that I always start with. Right. If I'm ever broken down, reduced to freaking nothing, right? The one thing that, that one cent that means the most thing, that means the most to me is the fact that I have a pulse, mm-hmm. right? The fact that I'm breathing. Look, we lucky just breathing. Air. Yeah, Shout we are lucky to El Producto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the fact that I'm breathing, that alone is like, okay, I can, I can eventually turn to this hundred dollar bill. I can become a whole lot more. Because I'm here, I'm alive, right? And I think a lot of us don't even realize how low of a percentage being born is in the first place. Right. You know, um, but I know some people think, oh, I can, you know, you can sit there and procreate and procreate and procreate. But honestly, being being born. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, being born is a very it's a low percentage thing when, yeah. you, when you count it there. God damn. So so for me, my one penny, the one thing that if if again, if my life is going to shit, it's like I'm still breathing, that means I can take care of it. That means there's a way that I can take care of it, yeah. you know? And and when you, you know, I I wrote something about balance. You know, in the same way, the same second that a problem happens in your life that a problem occurs that very same second a solution also a solution also comes there too right Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of finding that solution um so brandon which who is super quick with statistics and just googling brandon the silent assassin the silent assassin just just showed i knew it was low it was low chance but the chances of you being born are one in 400 trillion okay the chance of being born are one in 400 trillion. So when people say that someone is a miracle baby or something, or it's like, it's true. You're one in 400 trillion. If that in itself is a miracle. So if there's any, if there's any bit of motivation that we can give you right now, it's fucking act like it. Act like you're one in 400 trillion. Oh, but now let me tell you what happens when you act like it. Though. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, li- I like to I like to hear the other point. People are like, you're a douchebag. Yep. You know, what? it don't you're matter right. how you're right. It don't matter how noble your profession. It don't matter how nice you are to people. Sure. 
on a like a one to one basis. Yes. Yeah. If you doing too much, according to them, mm-hmm. they're going to be detractors. And yeah. You have mm-hmm. to be a discerning consumer of information. We said it before, guys. Yeah. We said it before. So how do you me. how do you have that balance of be self satisfied? Okay. Okay. Be self satisfied. That's sure. why. Look, we show up and we do this because this is kind of fun for us to do. How does someone understand that they are one in 400 trillion, but not act like they're one in 400 trillion? Because Because I said you're a miracle, kind of act like it, right? Maybe it's like, maybe the proper term is live like it. Live like you're, I don't know. Again, I think it comes down to the foundation thing. I think foundation with regard to damn near anything is fundamental. And if you don't have a basic understanding of a concept, then you're really going to have absolutely no idea. It's like people think the world's flat. Know. Y'all know that, right? No, that's so Y'all crazy. are aware that there's cats like right now that are like sincere as hell. Like, yeah. Very prominent ones too. Uh, yeah. That, that's the thing. Yeah. If, you're, if you're not really exposed. It's actually a triangle. <laughs> it's a dope triangle. It's a dope triangle. A triangle. What, what shape is there? Dope triangle. <laughs> Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> But, you know, I'll, I'll like say this, those people that have that belief that the world is flat, the one thing that I can respect is the fact that they believe something. Like, it, it's hard. It's, yeah. It's, no, no, it's, I am. No, yes, At I least am. on air right now. I, on air. But <laughs> I'll, I'll still call you stupid. <laughs> but I still, I, I can respect that someone can believe something because when you, when you they're, believe they're in moxie. something, you do respect what? moxie, don't you? I don't know what that is. Explain that. Oh, moxie. Like, like I, they're, they're enthusiasm. Swagger. They're, oh, swagger. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I've heard that now. Okay. okay Isn't Pendulette's child named the moxie superhero? I'll slap him if that's what it is. I bet you, bet you five dollars it is. <laughs> it better not be. <laughs> yeah, I bet it is. Choose him for my kickball team. <laughs> yeah, for, but, yeah. But, uh, I think that uh, um, when people do have a belief that they that they stand by, I, I can respect that, even though I, even though I don't agree. Because when you when you believe in something, it's like saying one plus one is seven, right? Well, it's a product. Yeah, it's a it's, product. Yeah, that's true. It's true. It, it is the culmination of things coming together. When you believe in something, it's the result of. What what has transpired in your life to facilitate that? Even if I don't agree with yeah. you, I might on some level be able to empathize, and then we can figure out some common ground. Dude, I don't, man, if we're talking, I don't know if this is the podcast for it to talk about you know beliefs and empathizing with people, but I have a feeling we're going to touch on it at some point. Yes, because it's important. It's important. You know, definitely, I believe that our generation needs to hear. Oh about well, it, it, and because. So it, it is it, that podcast. Hey, it is. Yeah, Look, it, bro, it like, is that podcast. Like, empathy is intrinsically re- linked to me to self-reflection. Yeah. Sure. At the same time, like you can see a reflection of yourself in every person you meet. If you yeah. are, 
if you train yourself to pick up on the nuances of human behavior, sure. you pick up a reflection, like how you're being perceived by different people yeah. in accordance. And if you work in a field that provides like mental health services, mm-hmm. clinical services, or first responders, mm-hmm. whatever, and you're exposed to like a litany of individuals from specific populations, mm-hmm. the patterns start to reveal themselves. Yeah. And you start to realize, you start to get a picture of how you're perceived within this context. Mm-hmm. And then that becomes a tool unto itself. Like, how can I use how this relative perception to my benefit? Mm-hmm. And where are my weaknesses when it comes to this mm-hmm. perception of myself? Yeah. So, you know, something else, though, too, that you know, when you're talking about empathy and, you know, we're, we're talking about the, the loose change. I really like that analogy mm-hmm. and everything. And one thing that I think uh, that I, that's coming to my mind when we're talking about all this stuff is, you know, right now we got the the NBA playoffs are going on right now. And J.R. Smith, God bless you, sir. Oh, so man, sorry he messed up. Bad. Oh, he messed up bad. He messed up bad. But look, what? I don't even watch pro sports and I know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. that, that means you fucked up, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. But one thing that I think we all need to respect out of people is, you know, whenever we have an opinion or maybe there's a change in perspective that, you know, if someone you might have known for a long time, you might all of a sudden have, you know, different viewpoints, different. That's kind of like the pivot, right? Mm-hmm. So in basketball, you catch the ball you and you, you plant your foot. Now you got a pivot point, mm-hmm. right? So you're perspective, your opinion, your your knowledge and everything, that's like your pivot point. Now, you as an outside party, you got to respect that person's pivot point to accept because what happens if you don't? Yeah. You're going to fly you're in there putting hands all over place. You're going to get an elbow in the mouth. <laughs> you're going to get an right? elbow in the mouth, yeah. So you got to respect that. Give them a little bit of space to, you know, pivot yeah. and then you can mount your defense and, you know, and, and at Dude. the same time, though, mm-hmm. as that person with that pivot, you've got to understand that, you know, maybe that pivot point is, you know, one of your big aha moments. You're accepting the call to action. I, I check but this. Yeah. What's Go going to come is going to be a lot of times your pennies. So mm-hmm. you've you put your foot in. Hey, the ground whoa, and, whoa. And you're keep going. You're, keep going. You put your foot in the ground. Take me to church, bro. Do I need you're to gonna t- pivot. Brandon, drop a beat. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. You said I'm too white. I will become awkward and unable to form a thought. Um. But you've got to accept the fact that, you know, yes, you've planted your foot. Yes, you've made your pivot, but there's still a journey ahead. Like, you know, you oh, don't know how much so course good. ahead of you. You don't yeah. know what, you know, if you're J.R. Smith, maybe you don't know what the score is. Bless your heart, sir. I feel for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I have many friends in Cleveland. They hate you. They want you. Anyway. Believe it. Um, Here, here's so. what I'll, here's what I think right there. When you said that pivot point, I think especially it, it's happening a lot for people in, in our generation now people stepping away from their church, mm-hmm. people stepping away from their religion, um, from their friends, from, from their, their friends, from their job. They're like not drinking. You, people aren't drinking Kool-Aid it, as much not, as they used to. Well, it's, not, it's not, I don't think that it's a thing of just drinking their, their Kool-Aid. I, I think that they are, Kool-Aid they have to take, sometimes. Oh, I love that. There is a the, thing the where babies? you <laughs> the babies, Yeah. There's that time where it's like you, they're figuring life on their own. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, when it's just like that, that post I had the other day, when you're ready to learn a lesson, life's teachers will appear. When you're ready to experience, the teachers will disappear, right? It's you. Huh? <laughs> but, but I think that when they pivot and they say they want to experience their life, you know, outside of it, right? They, 
they go and do their thing. Those teachers in that part of their lives disappear and they go and learn whatever it is that they need to learn. They do it as whatever it is that they need to do. And in my opinion, the people that I respect the most in churches are the people that left it because you actually like, I feel like, you know what it's like to be away. And those are the people that like, I really like the most and I can really listen to when they're like, I've stepped away from it. I'm the most extreme example of that that you (laughs) find. Unless I was Amish. If I was Amish, that would be a little bit more dope. Straight up. I would come back for the bread because that stuff is. Oh yeah. And the honeys. For the carpentry. For the carpentry. The carpentry. For the honey. My dad. (laughs) The carpentry honeys. No, but dead serious. I think that that people who have, I think that people who have stepped away from their jobs or or stepped away from one field and come back or something, I I feel like they are, they could be a lot better because they kind of understand they've experienced this other world, right? They they pivoted. The -hmm. teachers disappeared. They did their thing, and they made the active choice, especially in things where it's been brought up as when when it's been ingrained in you, right? When they make that active choice and are actually living that separate life mm-hmm. and they go back to it, I have a thousand times more respect that for those people. Like hey, a thousand times more respect. Th- this, that, that brings up the thought to me of people don't leave jobs, people leave managers. People leave managers, yes. So at that pivot point, you can decide that's when you need to be a discerning consumer of fucking information yes. and be like, yo, is it really the occupation that I'm in yeah. or is it just this person giving me the blues? Yeah. And how can, what steps can I make to navigate around this shit? It's kind of like, it's, it's funny too. Like, you know, when you talk about the hero's journey and like you know, from the first episode, you talk about auditing your circle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in the first, uh, you know, after you cross in to your special world, uh, one of the first things you do is you establish a new circle of allies. Yeah. And that's one of the first thing, you know, one of the first parts of that. Um, and it, you might even be leaving your mentor mm-hmm. behind. Just like you said, you know, your teachers might be gone. Cause, uh, you know, as somebody that was in education, you know, I, I struggle to call myself a teacher because I don't think I was in it that long. I, mm-hmm. I learned pretty quick that it probably wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one thing I do prescribe to you teachers like teacher. and yeah. educators. I'm probably good on a one-on-one, but you get yeah. me in a class of 32 kids and then it gets a little <laughs> struggly. But, uh, but that's anybody. Yeah. And look, most teachers cry every day. Like, no, oh my God. <laughs> it's hard. Like teaching is probably, it's one of the most grueling professions on the face of the earth. It shout is. out to teachers. But shout yeah, out, shout out to my to, sister. Shout out to yes. all of them, man. Super both my parents Shout out to everyone yes. in education like if you're a janitor at a school you've yep. seen some horrific seen stuff some stuff you really and you're have. probably wiser and smarter than half the people on this earth yep but that's why I keep trying to tell people about social workers but don't nobody believe me <laughs> but one of the things that I do prescribe to about teachers and educators is you don't you, you don't get into the, any, that profession as somebody that's you know really into it for for the kids and everything. To you, you get into it to see them succeed and move on away from you. Sure, you know you don't want to hold anyone back. You want to make a them fil- the best facilitator person. rather you than want yeah, to be a facilitator. Yes, you want to facilitate their success and even in management too. Like one of the things that I prescribe too because I've had a lot of bad managers. Like you talk about people that left bosses. Mm-hmm. I've left some bosses that 
man, they were not fit to be, you know, human beings. I, I took away their status as a proper noun, even. <laughs> like, like you stop but, capitalizing their name. Yeah, let's call, let's call why? this manager chair. Like, why does he never capitalize my name on the Because you're not a proper noun anymore. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I love a lot of managers, but one of the things, like, you know, when, you know, kind of speaking to your point, Clues, like, mm-hmm. you know, when someone audits their circle, I want, you know, I want to be audited yeah. and I want to be accepted into their new circle after yeah. they pivot with their new information and yes. new experiences and things. As a boss, it's the same thing. It's like, I want my team to be behind me. I want to be out in front of them facilitating their success. Yeah. And when they look back and audit their circle, you know, if they're moving on, if, if we've got, you know, I've, you know, had the fortune of being able to promote a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're moving on, I want them to audit their circle and say, you know, I would like him back in it, you know, maybe as somebody to go to for information uh, or just someone I want to stick with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I'll, I'll say this, especially when it comes to auditing your, um, auditing your friends and being someone, just like you said, you want to be someone that someone can audit. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I wholeheartedly tell people that if you want those friends in your circle, that, that circle that you're editing. If you want so, some of those people to stick with you, you cannot be afraid to tell them when they're messing up. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that happens in in a lot of friendships and a lot of relationships and a lot of families when a lot of us are just afraid to tell people like you are messing up your life or you're not accept your call. Yeah. You're not accepting your call. You are, you know, and it's, it's not a, they uh, ultimately they have the say over it, but I think it, it means something for someone to say, I'm paying attention to you. I see this thing is wrong. No, it's not just us hanging out, getting drinks, doing this. I genuinely care about your well being, mm-hmm. and I think you're fucking up. You yeah. know, that's something that a lot of people do not have in their friendships, you know, and that's why I'm, I'm thankful to have, you know, some of the people that I do in my life that'll tell me, Clue, you ain't shit. You know what I mean? That'll tell me you're messing up or you're not as this as you are. Granted, I have my pride that I deal with and sometimes it does sting it and I'll do this, but I do take that stuff to heart and I try to get better. I'm not, sometimes I'm good at it. Sometimes I'm bad at it. But I think that if you do have friends and you do have those people, that's like, I'm, I'm worried about you. You know, I think that you are. You might be heading down a different trajectory. Help me understand if, if you if you don't believe that you are. Help me understand why, so I don't feel this way. Yeah, and I've I've had it. You know, I've been on both sides of it. I've been on both ends of it. I've had people tell me that you know you're, you're messing up and you're not really the kind of person I see myself with in the future. It's like, mm-hmm. well, that. That, that hurts and that puts things into perspective a little yeah. bit more. But then I've also been on the other end that kind of like, man, I know that you're not doing the things that you need to be doing. I see what you're, I see how that's influencing your interactions with other mm-hmm. people. And mm-hmm. I don't like that. And I definitely don't want to be that person in the mm-hmm. future myself. So, and, you know, friends walk away. Some, you know, come to the light. Yeah. I, you know, and I've also been that person that stayed silent when I shouldn't have. Yeah. And and, and how does that affect the future too? You know, yeah. it's, it, it all comes back to that idea that, you know, your actions, you have to accept the consequences for them. Mm-hmm. And the decision that you make, just like you have to accept the consequences and the decision of inaction. Yeah. And if you're not willing to audit your circle, maybe to the extent that you should, you know, because I, I think a lot of people are, are, are saying, you know, 
you know, every day that, you know, this person's pissing me off and you know, mm-hmm. all this stuff, you know, you'll say that to somebody else, but you won't say it to the person that matters. You won't say it to the person that matters. Um, yeah. But and at the same time, too, you know, what we talked about respecting that pivot, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to come at somebody full force and, you know, eat an elbow in the face. Yeah. You know, you, you, you want to respect their pivot enough to be able to, you know, approach that situation where you might be able to make uh, a, a positive difference. Sure. Or a noticeable difference. How do we have that? How do you have that balance? Between telling one of your friends or whoever that they're messing up—that's a million-dollar question. Yeah, how do you how do you properly do that? Because I feel like a lot of people are probably asking that. Like, how do you how do you, you can't just walk up to I've someone and in, say, "Oh, you're." Messing I've learned up. in my experience sure. from a clinical standpoint, sure. and I'm yeah. not a QMHP, but I've worked. Closely Explain what that a QMHP is. Qualified mental health professional. Okay. Now okay. that doesn't mean that my opinion on this when I'm talking to y'all right now isn't any more or or less meritous than yeah. even a physician mm-hmm. but I'm not a therapist anything yeah. like that but um I've I've found in in my line of work it, it's like jujitsu sure yeah it's like jujitsu or or judo to mm-hmm. a degree but the objective is more like Aikido Mm-hmm. Like you're like, let me do as little damage as possible, but let me navigate around this shit. Let mm-hmm. me let me see what what my best position that I can get into mm-hmm. is from this point. But like, or like and, chess, right? Yeah, and, or like for, for people who aren't like, I don't fight. But, <laughs> why? He has a he said, why don't you fight? <laughs> why don't you fight? You gotta fight. <laughs> but yeah, social work. I'm always going to probably come from some semi-jaded little viewpoint sure. on stuff. And then also on top of that, I've been in it so long, I'm invested. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm I'm cynical about X, Y, and Z, but I'm a uh, optimist mm-hmm. about a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to be. Mm-hmm. If you don't show up to that, and I won't say job because it's not just the job, but mm-hmm. I do. People's lives are in my hands. Yeah their well-being like if if i don't make a phone call when i'm supposed to make a phone call mm-hmm. it's gonna affect this person's quality of life whether it be for a few hours yeah. or a day yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. but that's their time man yeah and and honest to god like it, the time that you expend on things mm-hmm. like to that individual that's the world mm-hmm. that's the absolute world and if you've got say i've got 10 people on my caseload Every one of those 10 people is chomping at the bit mm-hmm. for their spot. Yeah. And and if I don't do my due diligence on that shit, if I don't if I don't put my ass on the line, sacrifice, whatever, mm-hmm. then their quality of life is not going to be as high mm-hmm. as quickly or for the long term. Mm-hmm. Whether they stay they get out, stay out for 6 months, 3 months, a year, 2 years, the totality of the mm-hmm. rest of their life, whatever. I'm giving them a shot, but I'm trying to set set the pieces up like chess, man. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm trying to set pieces up such that you know, I'm not just putting people out in the community for the sake of numbers. Mm-hmm. I'm putting people strategically and and you know it, it's client driven they mm-hmm. they make their own decisions and i always tell them that i'm like you're you know if if you make your own decisions then you're running the show here to a degree but i'm not going to present somebody 
with somewhere that I feel like is setting them up for fucking failure, you know? How do you have that balance? And and we'll ask this question just because, you know, we're, we're, we're running on time, but how do you, how do you have that balance when you're helping someone to, to allow them to run the show? Because I wholeheartedly think that you should be running your own show, you know, taking your advice from people here and there, but how do you help someone while keeping them in control? I'm asking, I'm asking a social worker and I'm asking a former teacher and a manager. How do you all help people do that? I'll go ahead and say from my role. Yeah. From my role is I, I set someone up for success. I give them options. You give somebody room, room mm-hmm. to make decisions. Pers- sure. Personal efficacy goes an enormous expanse when it comes to people in regard to their job satisfaction. Mm -hmm. If you give somebody a tight leash, Mm -hmm. it don't matter what their job performance is. I I seriously doubt the majority of the population is going to be excited about being on a tight leash. If if you are pretty much untethered Mm -hmm. and you're still capable of performing your job duties, I think that there is an enormous reciprocity there with regard to your own happiness sure. in that position. But uh, when we're talking about social work, like balancing, and I really resist to say, like, I don't want to say wrangle. Mm-hmm. You're not wrangling because um, I'm not talking about the individual. I'm talking about circumstances, because a lot of times when you're in social work, you've already got the the deck is stacked against who you're dealing with. Yeah. It's not like you have this enormous battery of resources yeah. to draw from, man. You gotta, you gotta finagle some stuff sure. sometimes with these folks. So the best thing I know to do is insulate what I can, mm-hmm. find happy mediums, which include my preference. Sure. You know, you're obviously going to put your preference. Yeah, absolutely. But but provide somebody options. And you're not providing them options to direct them towards Mm -hmm. your preference either. Yeah. Because that's some sneaky bullshit. Sure. And that's manipulative. And Mm -hmm. you don't want to be manipulative. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that's sincerely in in my line of work. And I tell you what, like my sister is a teacher and she's Mm -hmm. been a teacher for a really long time. We've talked about all kinds of existential stuff related to social work and teaching and things like that. You really are. You're trying to mitigate as much damage that's being inflicted on Mm -hmm. these individuals while at the same time facilitate and set them up for success. You're not. Yes. You you are a delivery. Yeah. Teaching and social work. You are a delivery mechanism. Mm-hmm. You are a delivery mechanism for information. So if you're not effective at diffusing information, then you're kind of pissing in the wind. Mm-hmm. What about you? Well, one thing I, and I I kept it on my desk is uh, it was a it was a quote from Bruce Lee. It was part of a longer quote. It says, "Be like water." Sure. Uh, yeah, 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 that. yeah. That's Flow what, like water. Be my, like water. It's my favorite quote. Well, and what he talks about in there is. You know, when he says be like water, water, water takes the form mm-hmm. of whatever contains it. Yes. So, you know, we talk about empathy. We talk about, you know, circumstance. We talk about life. If you're, if you flow like water, if you're formless like water, then the circumstances and the things that surround you, um, they don't, they, they don't affect you as much. You flow mm-hmm. with it. Yep. It's the same thing Beautiful. with, it's the yeah. same thing with people though. Um, with each 
individual, whether it's a student, an associate, um, a client, uh, you have a new situation and you have to be formless enough to to be able to go into that situation with an open mind, uh, an open heart and be able to be able to expect, you know, give them the opportunity to surprise you. Mm-hmm. And also at the same time, the other part of the quote is water can flow, but it can also crash. Mm-hmm. So understanding when you need to stop being so formless and when you need to start crashing, get that person to understand that I'm being empathetic with you. I'm trying to uh, immerse myself in your situation so that we can make the best decisions for you together yeah. so that we can facilitate your success together. But then also when you're doing that, say, you know what? I'm immersed in you right now and you're not doing too well. (laughs) Smack you upside the head (laughs) because we need to write the course and adjust your pivot. Yeah. Right. To tie everything back together. Cause I like it when things form circles. I like it when things form circles. Because the earth isn't flat people. (laughs) (laughs) This has been an awesome, 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 awesome episode. Uh, Really excited about the talk that we've had going on. Uh, We are going to uh, do a quick Shameless shout out to a couple different people. Yeah, um, Calvin Wiley. Like, look, man, I don't know uh, exactly where you at, uh, what hostel you staying at, whatever. But you come home safe, man. Yes. No gas prices is high down yeah. south. He is. So you uh, come back, but also shout out to Rome Sandwich Company. Yes, it's delicious. Also, it is nutritious. nutritious. Yes. Go uh, in and see uh, Tessa or Tanner. If if Tanner's there, give him slightly less money than you would Tessa. <laughs> give Tessa way more money give, than Tanner. Just throw your wallet in Tessa yes. and then shake dance. Yes. <laughs> I want to give a shout out. You know, I was talking to one of my friends in an event. Uh, I'm all about supporting, you know, a lot of the small businesses here, but Sublime. Oh, uh, yeah. Buddy, uh, Austin Albany. Austin. Um, thank you so so much for the talk. It was really, really good getting the uh, hey, getting the conversation. And you know what? Like, I was just thinking, I was taking care of my my hygiene requirements. I was like, I wish I had a silk and suds bath bomb, but I didn't because I'm <laughs> irresponsible and I, I'm not I'm not as much of a go getter as I need to be. So shout out to silk and suds. Yes. yes go ahead yes. and feel and smell fantastic. Yes. Again, I didn't finish the full name of the company, Sublime Media Group. Seriously, Austin, I, I appreciate the conversation that you and I had on Friday. I'm going to take the knowledge that you gave me and really apply it to this. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the direction that we're going. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. But a huge shout out again to Sublime Media Group. Also, I want to just apologize on behalf of Brandon for him talking so much to the totality of this recording. Stop talking. And then on top of that, I want to uh, thank Andrew for showing up. Yes, Andrew. Thank you so much. Yeah, Appreciate man, it, man. It was dope. Appreciate it. There will be more, hopefully, hopefully more uh, content. You know, Andrew is going to be working with me. He is a incredible writer. Yeah. And then and, I might, and then I might be running the Twitter thing if I can there act you go, right there you go. So we, we'll see. I'm going to take a deep breath <laughs> and see if I can come up with some silly, but appropriate things yes, for yes. Twitter. Guys, this is a work in progress. We, Like I said last episode, we are going to continue to iterate and iterate and grow. Please give us more feedback. We need that to be able to make ourselves better and give you guys a solid product that you need. So thank you all so much. And we are looking forward to another episode, another good week. Everyone stay positive, kick ass at work, you know, in school, whatever you're doing, just go out there and crush 
your shit. Unless you're a fascist. Unless you're a fascist. You guys, we are not down with that. So. <laughs> Y'all be cool. Be cool. <laughs>